However you got here, you're currently listening to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Thanks for giving us a chance. If today's message speaks to you, encourages you, or just leaves you with questions, you can reach out to us at connect at perryhall.life. Okay, so let me just kind of get going right here because there's a lot of ground to cover. And we're in James 5. We're going through verses 13 and 17 to 17. And uh, my topic is this, is prayer and sin. Kind of an interesting topic there. But you'll see as we move on how it comes out to play. Okay, so I want to start out with a question that I have dealt with for a lot of times. And I'm sure you have dealt with it too. Whether you're honest or not, that's a different story. But here's my question for you. If God is all-knowing, do we really need to pray? He already knows the outcome, but why do we need to pray? So I'll say this, and I'm going to move on here because hopefully you'll see something here. If God is all-knowing, do we really need to pray? We're going to see here with James, we're going to see uh, our relationship with God our relationship with others. We're going to see spiritual things. We're going to see natural things. So I pray as you hear it, as you go through it as well, that you will be able to kind of decipher, okay, this is a, this is a spiritual point here, or this is a natural point. What is God trying to show me here? What is he telling me here? So we're going to pick it up right at the beginning here of verse 13. And James says this, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Okay, so let me say something here, because I'm going to just, I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to start just unpacking uh, one right after the other. Now, remember the story that has taken place here. Remember what is happening here. James is speaking to 12 tribes that were scattered abroad, as it says at the very beginning, They were being persecuted. They were Jews converting to Christianity. And that's a huge thing right there that's taken place. So they're dealing with persecution. Now they're scattered abroad, as it says. Now they have to survive. So in this newfound faith that they have, Jesus, a lot of things are different from the way they used to know it, the way they used to live. And James is giving instructions. This is what he's doing. We talked about that. Many times, this whole James book is instructions to the Christian, how the Christian is supposed to live, how a Christian is supposed to act, and how they're supposed to behave, and things of that nature. And some of it, it hit right in the gut. And even this one here is kind of hitting in the gut again. So, um, so James, he can't mess around because he's talking to some people that don't know what God wants. They don't understand this stuff. And, you know, many times people don't, they don't live in, in uh, they don't like authority. They don't like parameters. I mean, we see that in, in, in the news, you know, whatever it was a year ago. I mean, I remember seeing the, the riots and all that stuff taking place. This is people just didn't want authority. And human nature is we don't want authority. And James is kind of saying, I don't care. You're going to hear this anyway. So he goes right after him. So he starts out, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing psalms. Okay, so let's just dissect this a little bit. Is anyone suffering? 
Suffer means hardship, suffering evil, enduring affliction. Now, here's a point that's taken place. These people were, were dealing with something, and you know what? We're dealing with it as well. They, they just have a little bit different thing going on, but they're dealing with enduring affliction. They're dealing with suffering and hardship. That's what these people are dealing with. And James is kind of bringing this out. Okay, if you're dealing with hardship, and this is for the church as well, if you're dealing with hardship now or soon to be or whatever it may be, look what it says here. It says, if anyone among you is suffering, let them pray. Let them pray. See, prayer should be your first response when you're in a situation. Many times I've heard this. Oh, well, all I can do is pray. And sometimes it's not what they say, it's how they say it. Well, all I can do is pray. That should be the first thing you're doing. That should be your first line of defense. It shouldn't be, well, all else has failed, so let me go and pray. It just doesn't make sense when you understand the power in prayer. James is talking to this group of people that are facing hardships, and it's for you and I as well. Now, there's the proper way to deal with life. We're seeing two proper ways to deal with life. And here they are. He says it here. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. In the valley, we should be praying. And not only in the valley should we be praying. On the mountaintop, we should be praising. We should be praying as well. And everywhere in between, we should be praying. It's so common to pray in the valley. And we all know that. When times are rough, we want to start praying. All of a sudden, we get super spiritual. We'll come to church. We'll do all these different things. But even in the mountaintop, we need to be praising God. Both top and bottom and everywhere in between. When we begin to understand that prayer is a weapon, it's a tool that God has given us, and it's a major tool. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't take our praying real seriously. I talk to many people, and it's kind of like, well, if i got time, I'll pray. I'll squeeze it in somewhere, but you don't know my schedule. I'm busy. When you begin to understand prayer with the word of God is the best weapons you can have, and it really does take both. But when you understand the real nature of praying, you're going to have the word of God. Many times we're dealing with suffering, we're dealing with um, afflictions, enduring different things. And the question would be is, what scripture are you standing on? What, what do you mean? What, what, no, what scripture are you standing on? Well, I'm not really standing on any scripture. I don't really know scripture real well. Well, figure it out. Figure it out because we need to stand on the word of God. If you're dealing with something, whatever it may be, I mean, it could be, you know, anger. It could be, you know, abandonment, the list goes on. This is what I do when I prepare for, for sermons, honestly. I'll type in my topic in the Google thing, whatever, and I'll say, you know, worry, Bible verses. And then you'll get a whole bunch of, you'll get a whole bunch of things coming up for that. And then you go to it. And one of them will be your word. One of them will hold, you'll hold on to. So stand on the word of God. It's your, it's your weapon. It just seems like our problems in life are really prayer problems. It really does. 
Satan is always setting up traps. He's always setting up snares, as the word of God said. And when you begin to realize something, that it's a spiritual attack that's taking place, it's not your wife, it's not your husband. You know, it's a spiritual work that's taking place. So when you begin to understand that, you realize, okay, well, how do I combat it? I combat it with prayer and the word of God. So we see this is pretty, you know, somewhat obvious here. James is given spiritual instructions here. Things that do not, things that they did not know before. This is the people, the, 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 the Jews that are dispersed. They didn't understand this. They didn't know this stuff. They didn't get it because they were never taught this. They were Old Testament people. James 5.14 says this. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, so now we're kind of getting into something here where, you know, okay, how's Pastor Dom going to answer this one? I'm just trusting God right now on this one. Okay, but here's the point here. Elders are basically mature people who have been seasoned in the Lord. I don't know how else to say it. The church was just forming at this point. The positions of elders in the church wasn't even there. But in the Old Testament, you will see elders as well. And it's basically just what it sounds like. People who are seasoned in the Lord, mature people, spiritually mature. Now, is anyone among you sick? Let him call you. Now, here's another thing here. When you realize that God is in the restoration business, he's on your side. When you start to understand that, you can start applying it into your life and you begin to realize it. Now, take note here in this verse. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders. Let that sick person call for the elders. There are many times that someone says, did you know so-and-so was in the hospital? No, I didn't know they were in the hospital. No one told me anything. You know, and then I feel like a you know, real idiot because I, I didn't know that someone was sick or something like that. But the point is saying is kind of putting it on, on the person to call for help. Now, when we look at this thing with elders, we don't look at it as a church thing as, as you know, calling on the pastors. or it's, it's talking about a spiritually mature person in your life. And we all need to have a spiritually mature person in our life. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to be, you know, some, somebody. You, just, you would just know that person is spiritually mature, how they live their lives. And we all need to have that mentor, if you will, someone that we can trust, someone we can go to, someone that we can share our heart to, and someone that can speak into us. But when you understand something here, and it's unfolding as we're going here, is, is this. You're not alone. You're not alone in your struggles. Whether you think you are, a lot of people feel like they're alone because they put themselves in that way. But you're not alone. And this is why there's an importance of the church. You need to have a church. You need to be in church. We were talking about that this morning. You need to be in a church. Yeah, but I got my relationship with God. I can do my thing online. Yeah, but it's different. It's different. And God calls us to Dude, don't forget, don't neglect assembling together because there's power in that. And this is one way that we can get it is as we, as we go through trials and tribulation in our lives. It goes on and says, 
and not anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, it's not the oil that brings the healing. The oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. So it's not some type of, I don't even like to use this word up here, but magical. It's not a magical thing, the oil. But what, what it takes place here is this. It's the prayers that brings the healing. It's the prayers. And not just the praying, but it's praying in the name of the Lord. If you're seeing what's happening here, it's depicting um, a mature Christian, a mature person in the Lord that can pray for you, that knows how to pray. You know there's a wrong way to pray, right? We talked about that several months ago. Jesus talked about the wrong way of praying before he taught us the Our Father. So many times people pray the wrong way. They don't understand certain things, so they're praying the wrong way, but it's important that we pray right. A mature Christian knows how to pray. This is why we gotta connect with someone mature in our lives. Again, the oil doesn't bring the healing. It's symbolic of the Holy Spirit and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. God says to use it and I still use it this very day. I, I anoint with oil this very day, literally. The healing power is not in there, but the symbolic of the Holy Spirit and God says to do it is why I do it, is why the church does it. But the power to heal the sick is in our faith, in the finished work what Christ has done. Christ is the healer. You're not the healer. Christ has already provided us with, with what we need to know. We just got to tap into it. There's a whole lot of things we don't know in life. So what do we do? We're, we're, just, we're just bouncing along in life. But when God says, look, I gave you tools here. You got to use these tools and not be playing games or don't be playing the religious game. Then he goes into James 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Prayer doesn't save the sick. It's the prayer of the faith that saves the sick in the name of Jesus. Prayer without faith isn't true prayer at all. So we see here, and the prayer of the faith will save the sick. You can look at this as spiritually, spiritual sick, and you will see that God forgives, only God can forgive these spiritual sins. But I'll say this, I say, I'll say it again, prayer without faith isn't true prayer. Not some type of mercy prayer we throw out to God, God, heal me. God, do this for me. So many times we, we go to God when we need something, we're calling out to him. So many times we use a logistic type of praying. Well, I prayed, I said this, I said that. And yeah, I even finished it with saying in the name of Jesus. And it's like, okay, I got it all done right. It just doesn't work that way because we have to stand in faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, the hearing the word of God. So if your faith isn't there, you're not reading the word of God, period. And again, we don't want to kid ourselves. If we pray in faith, we won't say, well, I hope so. Or we won't say, well, it's God's will. Well, we need to know God's will. You need to know what God's will is in your life. Here's a simple one here. 
Pray for an unsaved family member. Because you know why? We know that's God's will. We know that's God's will to save a family member or save anybody that's unsaved. But many people will say, you know, I'm hoping, you know, Lord willing, uh, they kind of give themselves a little exit out of it. Stand on faith. Build your faith. Continue to strengthen your faith. I want to take note here what, what happens in this passage in Luke 8, 48. And, G, and this is Jesus. And he said to her, this is the woman with the issue of blood. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What made her well? What her faith. It's the faith. This, this faith thing is the, is the key thing. And I'll say it again. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Yeah, it's great to come to church and hear the word of God, but you got to do it every day, every day. And I challenge you to be reading the Bible every day. Maybe you just do one chapter. I mean, what that take you? Three minutes, four minutes to read and you build up on it. Your faith isn't going to grow by just coming here, you know, just hearing the word of God. But it was her faith that made her well. It really doesn't even say praying. You know, we don't know what took place here. But it's important. You're going through something in your life. You're going through a suffering. You're going through, um, you know, something that's, that's holding you back. Build your faith up. Build your faith up in this. I want to take note of something else here, another verse. In Matthew 18. Take a look at this one here. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Here's what I want to say here. Invest in your faith. Your faith, this guy's faith healed his servant. We don't know a whole lot about his servant, but he went to Jesus. And Jesus clearly said, as you have believed, as you have believed. It's like sometimes we have to step up. We got to step in the gap of someone that needs to be touched, whether it's spiritual healing, physical healing, but that same hour because of what, how he believed. So I want to say this, invest in your faith, build up your faith. Your loved ones may need it. James, 5, uh, James 16, I'm sorry. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, some translations will say um, sin, confess your sins or confess your faults to one another. Now, we're kind of coming into another arena here because, you know, sin comes in many different forms. Let me give you an example. Sin against others, that's an easy one. When we've done someone else wrong, that's sinning. Sin against God, when we know God says not to do this and we do it. Sin against yourself. What do I mean by that? Well, the, body, the, the word of God says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we're doing drugs and that kind of stuff, you, you, I don't have to get into it. You know, you're, you're committing a sin against your own body. There's a whole lot that can be said there. But it goes in and says, confess your trespasses to one another. What does that mean, confess? Well, it doesn't mean that's part of your penance thing. But let me just confess it to my spiritual leader 
or if I need to go to a person and say, man, I offended you. You know, here's the thing here, and keep this in mind, because a lot of people are probably thinking right now, if you offended someone and you went to God and said, God, forgive me for offending that person, I, I did wrong, and you still feel stirring, you don't feel comfortable, you go to your spiritual leader, you know, your, your godly person, and you share it with them, and you still feel churning going on, maybe you have to go to that person. Just maybe you got to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Now, if you do this, you don't go in there with the expectation that, well, I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna ask this person for forgiveness and they're gonna come back and say, oh, no, don't worry. You can't go into asking for forgiveness and expecting that that person kind of say, no, that was no problem. You know, you did wrong. You admitted that you sinned against the person and you go back to the person. Now, that could be tough. That could be tough. But when, you know, when you, when you do these kind of things, you're, you're taking the weight off of you. But this penance thing, you know, I grew up with doing penance, <laughs> and some of us probably have. And um, you confess your sin to a spiritual leader, and then he tells you what to do, and your sins are forgiven. If that's the case, Jesus taking this beating on the cross was a waste of time. If I could have done it myself, if I could have just you know, asked for forgiveness and got forgiveness and, you know, got right standings with God. Jesus wouldn't have had to come to this world and take the brutal beating, everybody knows it, the brutal beating that he went through, the whipping, the nailing on the cross, the being spit upon, ripping out his beard. There's a whole lot to that. He wouldn't have had to do that if I could have confessed my sin to a spiritual leader and he'd tell me to do a couple of things and I'm free. Do you get what I'm saying here? You understand? Because it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from sins. It's the blood of Jesus. This is why it's important as we do every Sunday is to have communion. Because we got to go back and we got to keep that in front of us. This is, this is so critical in our lives. You know, a lot of times I will say we're investing in our eternal destination. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're, you're investing in your eternal salvation. That means going to heaven. But that's not just all of it. Here on this earth, in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you more or super abundant. So God wants us to, to be with him, even here on this earth, and he'll help us get through here. But confession means admitting openly and fully, and you agree that you made a mistake. It's admitting that you've sinned. And really looking at the spiritual end here, this is the first thing for a Christian. The Bible says we all come in as sinners and we have to go to God and ask for forgiveness. And when we do that, he says he's faithful and just and he'll forgive us our sins. There's the spiritual part of it. And it's critical to do that. Confession of sin keeps the soul healthy as well as our body. You know, when you're saved, people have this thing that, okay, everything is, is good now. Um, I don't need to say sorry. You don't need to repeat repentance. You don't need to repent over and over again because Jesus already saved you from your sins. But sometimes you got to go back and say, God, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You're not, it's not talking about losing your salvation here. It's just talking about being in right communication and right standings with God. It's just like a marriage. 
You know, if you're not in right standings with your spouse, there's going to be a breakdown that's going to take place there. And it's the same thing with, with the Lord. This is why we go and we say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Help me get through this. But we know something here, and I heard this just the other day, that sin in our lives affects us physically. Now, I would have to say we all know known that, but years ago, they didn't recognize that. They didn't realize that years ago, but now they're seeing that. And it's obvious because, you know, you just think about when you're toying around with sin, it's in your mind and it's going to affect the body. It's that psychosomatic thing. It's connecting our mind to our, to our body. And people, this is, you know, people struggle with different things, uh, whatever it may be, high blood pressure and all that. But if we confess with real intentions of battling the sin in our lives or repenting, repeating or confessing isn't thorough, it's really mocking God. It's like they say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done here. And you have no intentions of getting it fixed. I'm just going to say sorry again next time. And I want to say sorry next time. It's kind of like mocking God. Now, again, we're not talking about eternal salvation here. We're not talking about losing your salvation more like it. We're talking about getting right standings with God and growing closer to God. So I say this, avoid phony confessions to God or to someone you may have to confess to. Because I tell you what, confession will break the secret sins that may be going in your life. A lot of people, we have secret sins. What is a secret sin? It's what's in your mind and what you're thinking. God knows what you're thinking. The scripture says he knows what, you're, he knows what we're thinking. And there's a weight on some of this stuff. There's a weight that continues to push us down. You know, the, the big question is, well, can a Christian be possessed? We're not talking about that in a sense. We're talking about an area in your life that you have allowed the enemy to weigh you down, you know, to, to pull you down. We were talking last week about grumbling. This is, a, this is an area in life that Christians got to not do. And we do that because it's, it, it breaks down what God wants to do in our lives. Let me continue to talk about sin here. Sin will demand to have us to itself. Here's what I'm saying here. Sin wants to isolate you, wants to keep you from church, wants to keep you from other people. It wants to take more and more from you. And allow me to encourage you, don't give one inch of real estate to the work of the enemy. And that's in your mind. Of course, we know that's in the literal form as well. But in your mind, in your thought life, don't give him one inch because he's not going to give you that inch back. He's going to take another inch. He's going to take it more. He's going to continue to take more and more so he can continue to take it because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Keep that in mind. Now, we simply confess to others as appropriate. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, this person, maybe I do need to say something. You know, it's not working out right. Maybe I need to backtrack and say, I'm sorry, you know, and take blame. When you, most, most people will say, it wasn't my fault, it was their fault. They need to come to me and say, I'm sorry. However you want to dress this thing up, if you've offended a person, you may just have to go to them and say, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this went down this way. But sometimes you can't do that as well, I'll be honest with you. And a lot of times it's past tense. The person's passed away. But I'll say this, those who refuse to humble themselves but persist in their sin 
blocks their healings. Did you understand what I'm saying there? If you continue to stay in sin, I don't know what I'll say, but don't expect God to do anything to you for you. You know? Because sin is that block, is that roadblock that kind of breaks that relationship up with you and God. Sin breaks that relationship up with you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your co-workers. That's what sin does. So we look at it as the physical as well. And the mental is sin will block it. Sin will block God's work. But it is the serious determination, determined, sincere prayers of faith that gets results. We talked about that as well. You're sincere when you really go deeper in your, your um, uh, understanding of God, wanting more and more of God, kind of flushing out the junk that's in your head. The word of God is like the... Um, is like brainwashing where it's washing. And this is why we got to continue to fill up with the word of God. If we're not filling up with it, that junk is still in our mind. So we're going to be living a certain way, a different way. Oh, I, we might be going to heaven. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven. That's not the argument here. It's talking about the here and now, living a life of allowing the devil over whatever you're doing. And then expect God to be there for you to heal. Just be careful. All I'm saying here is buyer beware because there's a lot to be said here. So looking at it that way, sometimes we would look at somebody as a spiritual leader. That's, you know, whatever that person may be. And we put them on different elevations. But you know what? You have the same power that we see here in James 5.17. It's interesting because James just kind of goes off off course here a little bit. And he's saying in uh, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a natural, with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18, and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now, Elijah was one of the, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. If you get a chance, look up some of the things he done. He brought down fire. He, he raised someone from the dead. All these different things here and much more. And now we see that he prayed and it stopped the rain. Then he prayed again and then it rained. Now this is, God did all this work, but James is bringing out, look what Elijah did here. Just look what he did here. Now it's interesting because I just highlight in this one point at the very beginning, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just a regular guy, Elijah. Uh, you know, we don't understand certain things, but he was just a regular guy. He had the same weaknesses that we have. Um, he was subject to all these things like you and I have, but God used him. So be careful on your own thinking that like, I can't do this. Yes, you can do this. You can do this. You can pray, you can confess, you can get these things out of here, out of your life. Because it says here, if you remember, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So let me bring it to a conclusion here. Let me get a drink. That was heavy duty stuff there. <laughs> Honestly, some of the stuff I'm still processing, to be honest with you. But, you know, I think we're getting a point here what God is trying to say and what he's trying to tell us. 
that, you know, get right with God and get right or get left, one or the other. So, so what have we been seeing here? What have we been seeing here in these past couple minutes? One of them is keep your relationship strong when things are bad and when things are good. When things are good, man, that's the time to, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're kind of disconnecting from the things of God. And then when times are bad, oh, I'm getting real super spiritual. Let me get into reading the word. Let me get into pray. Let me, you know, do this and do that. But keep your relationship strong all the time. Sin can make us sick. Sin can make you sick. Now, I'm not saying all sickness is from sin, okay? I'm not saying that. But sickness can cause you sickness. Sin can do that. Other people's faith with prayer can heal other people. We've seen that in the scripture there. Many people, many people will push off praying to someone else and like, okay, now it's up to you. We do that with God a lot. God, you know, pray for this person. I hope, hope, hope you heal him and all this. But now the burden's off of me because I just gave it to God. Well, remember your faith, and we've seen that in the scripture, can bring healing to another person. And remember, you may need this. You may need that faith. Unconfessed sin will hinder your relationship with God and block you with your health and with your healing. This is going to God. And God's saying, God, I'm sorry, man. I messed up. I shouldn't be doing this. Again, just look at it as a, as a relationship with a husband and wife or just two people, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a marital type of thing. But you know, when you offend another person, that communication now is messed up. Let's just be honest here. It's messed up. You say something you didn't do and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's messed up here. Forgiveness requires confession of sin. We can't just like say, you know, we're not saying, you gotta, you gotta bring it out. You got to bring it out, whether it's to other people or to really to God. And you confess to God. And you know what? God already knows your sin. He's already known. He knows what you're even thinking. That's what the Bible says. God knows what you're thinking. Some of us think sinful. Forgiveness requires confession of that sin. We don't have to be some type of super saint for God to use us or work through us. We've seen that through Elijah. Elijah, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be some super saint. Matter of fact, if you think that, well, work at it, <laughs> work at it. You don't arrive at a certain level of faith and say, I'm there, now I can get, pray whatever I want and get the answers. So I wanna get back to the question that we started out with. If God is all-knowing, do we really need to pray? He already knows the outcome. I need a drink for this one. Yes, God has foreknowledge of everything. God knows what's going to take place. We don't know what's going to take place. But he doesn't predestine everything. He doesn't predestine everything. Thank you, Jim. I needed that. You know, a lot of times we think that this predestination thing 
Now, there's certain things that is going to happen, and that's not going to change. You can pray to your blue in the face. Let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back, you know, and everything else. The rapture is going to happen. The Antichrist, all these things are going to happen. A whole lot of things are, are going to happen. But I'm talking about your decisions that you make in life. Is it predestined? God knows it already. Does it mean it's pre no, it doesn't mean it's predestined. Let me give you an example. God has given us this gift of free will. If it's predestined, it ain't no gift anymore because God's already working it. So I want to say this, invest in your faith. Invest in your faith. Find a spiritual mentor, a godly person, not a religious person, not a person that's going to tell you what you need to do. A person that's going to open up the Bible and give you scriptures. Let the word of God continue to build you up. Get strong in your faith. We can stand at this time here. Get strong in your faith. Prayer team, please take your spots there. But realize, first of all, God calls us to pray. Matter of fact, as I said before, he says, pray without ceasing. Don't give up praying. How do you pray without ceasing? When you're constantly thinking of God and listening for God to talk to you, show you things, because he will. And remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. I'm going to close with this one verse that we don't have, but it's in Acts 16, 25, and 26. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were praying and singing hymns in jail, in a prison. And I can only imagine what them prisons were like back in them days. can only imagine. And the prisoners were listening to them in their troubles, in their suffering, what was taking place. People were seeing, people were watching what's taking place. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosened. Hmm. Praise. We see what's taking place here. They were praying and singing hymns, praising. And it affect the other prisoners. I'll read it again. So the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosened. This is a lot of food for thought here, what has taken place just in these two verses here. But my point really is, is you see there's power in praying. There's power in praising God. So fill yourself up with more God and that junk will get out of you. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, Lord. Father, I pray for just a for this word, for us to meditate on, that it marinate in our hearts, in our souls like never before. Father, I pray that we, we dig deeper into this uh, confessing, Lord, that we see what we need to confess, that we need to get things right with you and maybe things right with other people as well. Because Lord, we know that's a hindrance to us. Unconfessed sin is a hindrance to us. And Lord, that's between each and every one of us and you. Lord, I pray for anyone that doesn't have a spiritual guider, a guidance, leader, whatever it may be, that they would look for one. There's, there's always spiritual leaders out there, godly leaders out there. 
that can mentor you, that can disciple you, that can speak into your life. But Lord, pray, I pray for our hearts to be ready to hear the response, the things that we have to do, because we have to do something. Faith without works is dead. We gotta be doing something. So Lord, I pray a dose of faith. I pray a, a dose of wanting more of you, Lord. I pray a dose for people to take serious reading their word, reading your word, their Bible, and grow in their faith. And I thank you for it. I thank you for this church. I thank you for each person here today. And Lord, I pray a blessing to be upon them and their families. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for giving the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast a chance. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and if you want to know more, we've got everything you need at perryhall.life.